2: The Lord's Prayer is in Matthew six, but I want to go back to Matthew chapter one. You have what's called the genealogy of Jesus, and what you have in that chapter is a genealogy, Jesus's lineage, starting from Abraham, going all the way to Jesus. There are some forty different names in chapter one in this genealogy, but if I had time, I could actually show you a lot in this genealogy, but when you look at the genealogy or the lineage of jesus it's important to note that jesus came from a line or a lineage of kings keep that in mind now turn the page to chapter two what happens in chapter two well you know the story around christmas time you have the three wise men or the wise men and the wise men are following a star And the star lands over a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. Now, why are these wise men from the east following that star? Because they believe that the star indicated that a new king had been born in the land of Judea. In fact, if you look at chapter 2, the first two verses after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Everybody say King Herod. I'm going to come talk about that. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked this question. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Now, the problem with that question is there already was a king of the Jews. Who was that? Well, it was King Herod. Herod was known as Herod the Great. That was one of his nicknames. The reason he was great was because he was a magnificent builder. He built buildings that the world had never seen up to that point he was the one that built the palace on top of masada if you've ever gone with us to the holy land he was also called herod the great because herod the great was the one who built the temple it's called the second temple herod's temple the one that jesus walked in and out up on the temple mount herod was the one that built that building the foundation of that building which is the western wall still remains today 2000 years later He was called Herod the Great, except he should have been called Herod the Ruthless Killer because Herod stole his throne like a fox. He had his own son killed to keep power. He had his own wife killed. And he was a puppet king under Rome's control because Rome actually ruled Israel and Herod was their puppet king but he was actually called Herod King of the Jews. That was Herod's title. No wonder when the wise men show up in chapter 2 searching for the new king that Herod ordered that all the male babies in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem to be killed. That's how evil he was. That's what he was willing to do to remain king of the jews himself and to remain in power in judea and galilee such is the world in history of all pharaohs and caesars and emperors and czars and presidents and kings and queens and dictators who rule ruthlessly no matter how ruthless they are no matter how power hungry they are all kings come and go There will be another ruthless man who will take the throne after Herod's rules. And powerful nations and powerful kings throughout history, they all rule, but ladies and gentlemen, they only rule for a season. And according to the gospel, if you go over to Matthew chapter 4, a simple carpenter, he's got no army, he's got no soldiers, he's got no weapons but jesus arrives onto the scene and in matthew chapter 4 verse 17 the bible says from that time on jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is near now jesus's kingdom is unlike the kingdoms normal kingdoms he had no land he had no castles he had no walls as i said he had no armies his kingdom transcends geographical and temporal limitations because his kingdom is a supernatural kingdom jesus's kingdom surpasses the ambitious longings and lust of power of babylon's nebuchadnezzar or persians darius or the greeks alexander the great or rome's caesar's when jesus a nazarene peasant spoke of a kingdom trust me It startled the first century Jews and reignited within them a dream that had begun to fade. For Jews who were living in the first century, when Jesus began this kingdom talk, it would have struck a resonating chord within them because everyone living in Jerusalem under Rome's occupation, they knew that a thousand years earlier, King David was the one who expanded the kingdom. His son Solomon ruled next, but his reign was very disappointing because in the year 925 B.C., the nation of Israel was divided between two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and eventually both of those two kingdoms were conquered. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom in 721 B.C. and carried the northern part of Israel up to Assyria. The southern kingdom was captured by the Babylonians in the year 586 B.C. And the Jews were carried off into captivity in the land of Babylon. And then you have the 350 years before Jesus walked on this earth, the 350 years before Jesus arrived, There was an endless circle of kings and kingdoms ruling over the Jews. First, the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then the Syrians, and then the Egyptians, and now, finally, the Romans. And out of the blue, a Nazarene peasant arrives with a startling message that the kingdom of God is near. So let's answer these three questions in your notes. Where is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? What is that? When we say kingdom of God. Well, the word kingdom, write this down. The word kingdom means to rule or to reign. It means to rule or to reign. So when you talk about the kingdom of God, you're talking about the reign of God, the rule of God. The kingdom of God is wherever God reigns. So my second point is this, whenever you pray this prayer, what exactly is it that you, when you say your kingdom come, what are you actually praying? You're asking, number one, write this down, you're asking God to rule in your heart. When you say your kingdom come, you're asking or requesting that the Lord, the King of the universe, to walk into your world and to walk into your family And to walk into your marriage and to walk into your office to walk into your school to walk into your home to walk into your heart and occupy and rule and reign in your life that's what you're saying now there is a battle right now it's being fought right now there's a struggle a tug of war for who rules your heart right now there's a battle being fought for every one of your hearts you do know this do you not you're not just sitting here there's a tug of war in all of the heavens for who's going to rule your heart this very moment your kingdom come is a submissive prayer You're saying, you see, when you pray, how many of you pray? Raise your hand real quick, real quick. When you pray, the reason you pray is not to inform God what your plans are. The purpose of your prayers is to call on God to do his plan through you. Your kingdom come. You don't don't pray, my kingdom come. You pray, your kingdom come. And it means that you are yielding control of your life and you are yielding your agenda and you are yielding your plans over to his sovereign and saving reign. You're asking God to rule your heart as he rules all of heaven. (laughs) You see, in the kingdom of God, it's unlike any other kingdom, in the kingdom of God, we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the kingdom of God, we hunger after righteousness, not unrighteousness. In the kingdom of God, we let go of hatred and bitterness and prejudices. And instead, we offer love and forgiveness even to those who've mistreated us. In the kingdom of God, we let go of greed and the hoarding of goods and the hoarding of material possessions. Instead, we learn to give and to sacrifice and to serve. In the kingdom of God, we empty ourselves of pride and ego and lust, and we strive for a thing called purity. We strive for humility. We strive for contriteness in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we cling, we cling to what is holy, and we run away from what's evil and immoral. In the kingdom of God, instead of wanting to be served, we are the ones who desire to serve. You see, this is no feeble request. That's why I said earlier, you've said these words many times, and you really don't even know what you're asking for. This is not a feeble request. It's a life-altering prayer. Your kingdom come. You're inviting God of the universe to come and to enter your life and to rule. And you cannot say these words. You cannot say your kingdom come if you don't mean it. You have absolutely no integrity whatsoever if you say your kingdom come and at the same time you're trying to rule your own life. You have no integrity whatsoever second thing you're saying when you say your kingdom come write this down you're imploring god to transform your life so that through your transformed life you can begin to see other lives be transformed you see you have to pay attention to these words that's why we're looking at this thing verse by verse line by line word by word when you say the words your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is where part of this request is that God would rule the entire earth as he rules heaven. That Christ would rule not just in my heart, but that he would rule also in my neighbor's heart. When you pray your kingdom come, you are acknowledging that God has the right to rule all people, that he has the right to rule all nations, that he has the right to rule all kingdoms. It's why he's called the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. we are seeking we're asking we're requesting as god as you sit on the throne in heaven would you please sit on your throne here on earth hillsong new york they have a phrase that they use over and over and over again in their ministry it's called hashtag all streets and they want to have a presence in every neighborhood in new york in every neighborhood on every street down every alley they believe that no one is beyond the reach of god And so when you pray your kingdom come, yes, you're asking God to occupy your life, but you're also asking God to use your life to reach the world for Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you have a mom and a dad and your mom and dad are not saved, you keep praying for your mom and dad to be saved. And pray for Hollywood and pray for the media and pray for the stranger and pray for your enemies and pray for your friends and pray for your boss. That any and all would surrender their kingdoms over to the rule of God and to the kingdom of God. And here's the third thing you're saying when you say your kingdom come. Don't, don't, don't miss this. When you say your kingdom come, you write this down. You're speeding the return of Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. You're, you're, like, you're like asking Jesus to get here. Come on back. Listen carefully, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that one day, one day, every single knee. The Bible says that there is coming a day where every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, I'll tell you what. Right now, right now, not so much. There's a lot of people that don't believe in God. There's a lot of people that don't go to church. There's a lot of people that don't read their Bible. There's a lot of people that don't believe that God is real, that Jesus is real. A lot of people reject the things of God. But the Bible says there is coming a day where every single human being on this earth will fall on their knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, my question is this. My question is this, when, when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? When the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That's when that's going to happen. So when you say, your kingdom come, part of that is understanding that, oh, he's coming. And I hope that he comes into my life. I hope he comes into my heart. I want him to, he will. And I hope that he uses me. To make a difference in this world and then i pray lord the day comes where you come and truly every single person here is honoring and worshiping you on your cover you have these hands and we have this logo right here and i don't know if you've noticed this but in the middle of the hands we kind of put it in there where it's kind of like incognito like if you weren't looking for it, you couldn't see it but if you look for it, you can see there's a cross do you see the cross and then you have these rays coming out of the cross you see that that is symbolic of the first time that jesus christ came to this earth he came he died on a cross he was placed into a tomb a big stone was rolled in front of the mouth of the tomb he was in there for three days and on the third day god rolled that stone away and jesus christ came out of that tomb Don't ever forget as you look at those hands and you're praying the Lord's prayer and you remember what he did on the cross and you then you do realize that he was buried. He did resurrect. He's now in heaven. But as you pray, don't forget that one day he's coming back a second time. And when he comes back the second time, he's coming back to rule and to reign And so, as we begin to close, how does this kingdom come? Your kingdom come? How how does it come? How many of you want to know the answer to that question? Two words. Number one, write this down. Number one is conversion. How does His kingdom come? He's in heaven. He rules heaven. How does he rule here on earth? It happens bit by bit as every single person invites Jesus Christ into your life. When you become a Christian, your kingdom come. You're asking God to come and live and rule within you. So when Christ came into my life, I was an eight-year-old boy. When I invited Christ into my life, I was baptized. Jesus Christ came into my heart, and He set up residence, and He began to rule Dudley Rutherford. Now, wherever I go, I am the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is wherever God rules. And God rules my heart so if I go to the store if I go to the restaurant if I get on my bike and I start cycling or if I come to church it doesn't matter where I go God is with me I am the kingdom of God because when God comes into my heart and he comes into my life he begins to take over and he rules And He rules in your heart, and He rules in my heart. Amen. And that's why Matthew 6, verse 33, look at these words. Of all the things on this earth, all of the things, money, fame, fortune, family, drugs, alcohol, everything. Seek first His kingdom. It should be the priority of every single person in this room to seek first the kingdom of God. And the second part of how his kingdom comes write this down is a thing called commitment or faithfulness you see once you get saved and he comes to rule there's no turning back and jesus said this phrase this verse this i don't know first time i ever heard this verse i've known this verse for 50 years it's a long i'm an old guy but it said jesus said whoever puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for service in the kingdom. Of, what, it, what does that mean? Well, what it means is this, that once you become a Christian, once he takes residence in your life, there's no turning back. And Jesus, if you look at the verse, it says, it doesn't say, who, who puts his hand in the plow, you cannot go back. He says, you shouldn't even look back when you become a christian don't don't ever go back to your old way of life the old sin the old habits the old once 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 you become a christian don't don't even look back at the things of this world i believe that the church is the kingdom of god because god rules in your heart he reigns in my heart that this is just me. Whenever I see the kingdom of God, I'm thinking, well, that's the church. Because Jesus doesn't have an army. We are the army. You and I are the army in the kingdom of God. And as He rules in my heart, and I meet someone and they become a part of the kingdom, the kingdom keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And over, over a hundred, uh, over a hundred years ago, there were a handful of people here in the San Fernando Valley who said, hey, let's start a church, about five people. But they, they were the kingdom of God, and they reached a couple. And then they were seven, then they were eight, and then they're ten. The church kept growing. Then there's 100, then there's 200, there's 300, 400. And today, there's like 11,000 of us. Right? Are you with me? And eventually, some of you have no faith, some of you lack faith. One day, I believe the entire city of Los Angeles we are going to take over. We're going to take the ground back that Satan has stolen. We're going to take back the ground that Satan has ruined. The lives that Satan has caused havoc and destruction, we're going to restore all people. And that's how the kingdom of God expands. If you were blessed by Pastor
1: Dudley's message, we want you to know our phone counselors are available and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. Call us right now at 888 888- That number again is 888-818-4777 We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, visit our website liftupjesus.com Our address again is liftupjesus.com We know as Christians our relationship with Jesus is a daily commitment and not just something we do on the weekends. We believe we have the perfect gift today to help you maintain your daily connection to our Lord for the coming year. Romancing Royalty is a daily devotional book designed to draw you closer to King Jesus with 365 inspirational stories, scriptures, prayers, study questions, and even a place to journal. There are more than 100 contributors to this book, including Greg Laurie, the late John Wooden, Tony Campolo, Jack Hayford, Raul Rees, and Jim Garlow, just to name a few. We know this daily devotional will be a blessing to you. It also makes the perfect holiday gift for a friend or loved one. Pastor Dudley's top-selling daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, is available right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Romancing Royalty can be yours by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order Romancing Royalty directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know there are many daily devotionals available today, but none come close to the level of insightful contributors to this book. It's our most popular seller this time of year. So we invite you to call and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.
0: general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells